0: what is up divers welcome in to the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on twitter at deep ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football and as always check out the website deep which is always popping during the off season with that being said let's get to the content What's up Divers, welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football, I'm your host Brandon Gabor, thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to be going over the Chiefs today, it's a pretty simple team to project at this point, they've been consistently good, all of their skill players are pretty consistent in their efficiency metrics, so I think there's probably one player that's kind of highly debated right now on this team, everyone else is a sure lock, but before we start that I just want to let you guys know, if you think it sounds a little echoey, it does, and I know it did as well on the last podcast for the Bucks, I didn't really realize it until after the Bucks podcast. I have moved into a new place and I haven't fully filled out the uh, the room yet. So it's still a little equity as I move things in. That'll go away over time. So just give me like a week or two and it'll sound back to how it was before. But let's start with the Chiefs. Let's go into those personnel changes. They lost wide receiver Sammy Watkins. They released running back Damian Williams. They lost Le'Veon Bell. So, hey, that's looking pretty good for Clyde, right? But then we were all freaking out about the offensive line. They released left tackle Eric Fisher. They released right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. But they've actually had a huge turnaround. They signed guard Joe Thune, guard Kyle Long, guard Austin Blythe. They traded for offensive tackle Orlando Brown, which is a great trade for them. And then they drafted center Creed Humphrey in the second round. They've added five new offensive linemen. Actually, make it six because they also signed right tackle Mike Remmers. So they have six new linemen. It's it's crazy. And they actually completely turned around that position in a positive light, which I did not think was going to be possible based off how it started. They also grabbed defensive tackle Jaron Reed and linebacker Nick Bolton in the second round of the draft. He should be a nice addition to their defense. And they even grabbed a tight end who some people are pegging as a sleeper in Noah Gray. They grabbed him in the fifth round. So if you're in a super deep, deep league, tight end premium, whatever, whatnot, you can add him in there as a sleeper. He's worth a stash. So all of this to say, right, that was so many changes. All of this to say, basically, they completely retooled their offensive line. And now it's filled with high upside starters and good depth, according to PFF, because they are the seventh ranked offensive line. And last year, before the injuries during the season, they were ranked 11th. So it's a minor upgrade. Honestly, it's going to be a rough start, and we have to acknowledge that. When you have this much turnover on the offensive line, the offensive line is very, very dependent on chemistry. The players have to understand how they play with each other. So with a whole bunch of new faces and most of these new faces not being in the Chiefs scheme, it's going to be a little difficult to start, I I think. And I think it's going to actually open us up to some possible bylaws after week three or four from the Chiefs. So keep that in mind because it will get better as the season goes on. They have the 22nd ranked defensive line, 23rd linebacking core and 18th secondary. Defensively, they're pretty much going to be the same as last year. They might be a tiny bit better with those additions we talked about in Jerron Reed and Nick Bolton, but the defense has never been, well, that's not true, but with Mahomes, the defense has never been super great for the Chiefs and, you know, we're not really seeing changes there. So it also makes it very simple to kind of project last year onto this year. So what was last year? Well, in 2020, the pass run rate for the Chiefs was 61% pass, 39% run. Guess what it was in 2019? 61% pass, 39% run. So guess what I'm projecting this year? Surprise! 61%, 39% run. So that's, that's simple. That, that's super easy. I mean, there's not really any reason to, to think it will change much, if at all. So I'm also expecting a similar total plays. That puts them at 1,099 over a 17 game season because offense is still really good. Defense is the same. So total play should be about the same. That's going to give us 67 or sorry, 670 passes and 429 runs. So let's talk about Mahomes. He's going to have a similar run rate this year in my projections as last year. So I'm giving him 70 attempts, 350 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He's been super consistent passing the ball. There's like I said a million times already, not too much to analyze. He's Very stable on his completion percentage. Very stable on his yards per completion. His touchdown rate, other than that 55 touchdown year or whatever it was, is pretty consistent. So I think you may say, hey, losing Sammy Watkins, that might hurt him a little bit, right? Well, the better offensive line probably offsets that. So I think that's pretty even keel right there. And we can basically project the same efficiency he's had the past few years. It is important to note, though, Patrick Mahomes is one of the few top-tier quarterbacks that has an easy schedule. So if you really care about that schedule, and yes, schedules change, of course. Like, strength of schedule can change quickly because a defense that might be one of the worst defenses for a quarterback, they might lose their star edge rusher and their star corner after week three of the season, and all of a sudden, they're a great matchup for quarterbacks. So yes, those things can change. But overall, it's good to know because most of the top quarterbacks their schedules like about mediocre. Some of them have really bad schedules, aka Russell Wilson. Patrick Mahomes has a green green color on the draft sheets. That means he has a great schedule. That's a four-star or five-star schedule. And obviously the higher star is better. It's out of five total. So as always, Mahomes is gonna be great, but that schedule might give him a, a little bit of an edge if you think he's really close to somebody in your rankings or in your mind. Use that as a tiebreaker. Let's talk about Clyde. And this is the one person that I actually do think has a very fruitful discussion to come about him because a lot of people think, hey, Clyde has still that same potential that we believed he had last year. He still has that potential to be a top five running back because of the offense. And a lot of people are on the other side saying, look, they're not going to target him enough and they don't run the ball enough. There's no way he has top five upside, but those same people sometimes take it too far and say he can't even be an RB1. He's just an RB2. So we'll talk about where I have him projected, but as you guys know, I usually lie somewhere in the middle, right? So do I think he's got the top five potential? Does he have it? Yes. A lot of people have that potential. Do I think it's realistic for him to get there? Probably not. And we'll talk about why. So the running backs last year, they got 17% of the targets. I'm expecting a similar target share, um... As last year to the running back position, but a little bit more for Clyde, mainly because of the losses at the running back position. Remember, they lost Damian Williams, lost Le'Veon Bell, so I think Clyde is going to take over some of those more targets, and he's going to get about 52% 52 of the targets last year, so I'm giving him 65% this year. So that's where I have him for the receiving part of the game, which I think is super important because everyone looked at Clyde as, and it's true, he's a very good receiver, a good receiving running back coming out of college. So it's important that he does see an increase in that part of his game, because if he didn't, then we're looking at a Clyde who has pretty much no shot at being a top five running back. But I do have him going from 52% last year to 65% this year in terms of the running back targets. That's a total of 11.5 targets uh, this year out of the target share. So He's a much better receiver than people give him credit for, and I think he's actually better than the stats show because if you look at it, it's not too great. 66% catch rate, but look, he should easily, comfortably get to at least 72%, 75%. In games played, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he got about 70% of the running back carries. That's actually a lot higher than I would have guessed, especially because they signed Le'Veon and brought him in. And remember, this is out of the games Clyde played. So that should hold. It's hard to see it get better. If anything, it might get a little bit worse. Probably not, though, because why why would they take away carries from their clearly, clearly no-duh best running back? And you can see it in the efficiency. He's a very good running back. He just struggled at the one-yard goal line. And honestly, if the better offensive line helps him with that problem, and he's no longer getting stuffed two, three times at the one-yard line, then his overall Yards per carry can also go up because it was 4.4 last year. I could easily see it being around 4.6 because every time you get stuffed at the goal line and you run it again and get stuffed, you're increasing your total carries, but your yards are not growing. So that really hurts your yards per carry, obviously. So I do think that that's not going to be as much of a problem. Either he's going to get better at it and focus on it and punch him in, or the offensive line getting better will help him punch it in. Either way, I don't think that that's going to be a continuing problem. The biggest problem, or maybe the only problem, is the fact that in this offense, the running backs don't get much touchdowns. The, to be specific, they don't get many rushing touchdowns. This offense is predicated, as it should be, on Patrick Mahomes and his arm, and all the weapons that they have. Kelsey, I almost said Kelsey and Kittle. Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and maybe Nicole Hardman. Apparently, he's looking really good. We'll talk about him in a second. But That's the biggest problem, and it's going to cap Clyde because he's not going to have that same potential for rushing touchdowns as a lot of other running backs because they're just way less likely to actually run in the red zone than other teams. Now, just like Patrick Mahomes, Clyde edwards Hillary actually has a very easy running back schedule. And don't think, uh, you know, this this must be screwed up. And I, I checked. I checked, right? I checked the schedule to make sure... That Because I use PFF, I've told you guys that. PFF is who I use for my strength of schedule. And I was just going through the game logs that they're going to be facing this year, and it seems about accurate. So green light for Clyde on the schedule, that's also good. I think he's going to be a very solid top-end running back, too. I don't see him finishing outside the top 15. I think he's probably a a lock for at least top 16 lock. He's probably going to be in that RB8 to RB13 range. And that's a very good range. It's basically where he's being drafted. It might he actually might finish a little bit higher than where he's being drafted. And running backs are super important. Plus, he's one of the guys with the least amount of questions, right? Aaron Jones has the Aaron Rodgers question, and he's in that same range. Miles Gaskin has the questions of a hey, we haven't seen him and Salvin Ahmed together. Is Miles Gaskin to be Gaskin going to be consistent and gonna get a lot of volume? And how's that offense gonna look? Chris Carson has people worried about injury history. Mike Davis, is he just a guy? Is he really going to take over the workload? Are they going to sign someone else, bring someone else in, another guy in his range? Joe Mixon, people are worried about injury. There are so many guys that have questions. Clyde doesn't really have many questions. You know he's going to be stable for you. So that's why I actually do like taking Clyde in drafts. Now let's talk about Tyreek Hill. Last year, he had a 23% target share. We have to make a decision off the Meekle Hardman hype because. We have to decide if Meikle and the depth wide receivers will pick up all of Sammy Watkins' target share that he left, that void, if it's going just strictly to Meikle and the depth wide receivers, or if Tyreek Hill is going to take a little bit of that share. And I think he may. So I'm going to project him at a 24% target share, 1% higher than last year's. He's been super stable with efficiency metrics, usually gets around 75 to 100 rushing yards and a touchdown or two. So I'm keeping all that stuff, same, same and he's gonna be an elite wide receiver as always. He's actually currently my wide receiver one. So we still have, I'm trying to think who who might jump him. Stephon Diggs might jump him, I highly doubt that. Uh, Devontae Adams probably will. If I find out that Aaron Rodgers is playing, we'll see. But Tyreek, as of right now, is my wide receiver one and I've got like eight teams left to project, nine teams left to project. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey. A lot of people look at this dude and say, you know, is he really worth that first round pick? Every single year, let me tell you guys, every single year Travis Kelsey is worth a first-round pick until the drop-off. He had a 25% target share last year. That's probably going to stay about the same. If anything, he'll lose a tiny bit, but not a big deal. The only worry is that the cliff is coming eventually. I personally don't think it's a worry for this year. I think he's got two good years left, but you truly never know. Sometimes you see it coming, sometimes you don't. He's also been super stable And consistent in his efficiency metrics. Honestly, the case can be made for Kelsey as a top three pick in drafts, in my opinion. And I think that case should have been being made for the past three, four years. I was always somebody, if you've listened to the podcast, not saying never said that he was a top three pick, but I can't take credit for something like that. But I've always said Travis Kelsey is worth a first round pick because the value and the difference the edge that you get at the tight end position with Kelsey versus anybody else is absolutely insane. If you start Travis Kelsey in your tight end spot, you're basically starting a wide receiver one every single week in your tight end spot versus somebody else's tight end. You're averaging about eight points per week, six to eight points per week more than your opponent's tight end. That's the difference between 150 point week and 142 point week, right? And you're getting that from one player alone. He has the biggest advantage. The biggest VORP, value over replacement player. It's something else that I have in the draft sheets. And I'm going to update that once I'm done with my projections. And that should be super quick. It'll only take a day or two. So he's got the best value over replacement. And that's why he's always worth a first round pick. But now because of the questions at the running back position, he could be a top three pick. And it could be justified. Because Christian McCaffrey, he should be a lock top three pick. The only the only question is injury. And it hasn't happened enough for us to be concerned about it, like Saquon, right? So Christian McCaffrey is a locked top three pick. Now tell me who else is a locked top three pick. You can't. You might say Jonathan Taylor. I haven't even projected the Colts yet, but I know how my process works, and I, like I know how that offense splits up their carries just from studying it last year in the season. There's no way Jonathan Taylor is worth a top three pick, guys. He's not going to be getting more than 70 or 75% of the carries, especially because they still have Marlon Mack, and he's back. And he's never going to be a high-volume guy in the receiving game. So Jonathan Taylor is not a lock top three pick. Like, we're talking about locks right now, and that's not Jonathan Taylor. Ezekiel Elliott, lock? No way. Alvin Kamara with the questions that who's going to be the quarterback? No way. Um, Dalvin Cook, injury concerns. Is he a lock top three pick? No way. Derrick Henry, is he a lock top three pick? No way. And that that's probably one of the safer running backs. It definitely is one of the safer running backs but he's not a lock top three. It's literally Christian McCaffrey, and that's it, because everyone has questions. Not only the deeper running backs in, in the area of Clyde, like we were talking about earlier, but those top guys. And it's very interesting, because the wide receivers aren't even super locked in, because Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas, the guys we've always been able to rely on, both have quarterback question marks right now. And Tyreek Hill, he's probably probably the safest one right now, him or Diggs. I think Tyreek, just because he's done it more often and we can trust his quarterback is a lot better. So Tyreek is probably pretty close to that too. But Travis Kelsey, you could take him anywhere you want in the first round and you should not feel bad about it at all. In my opinion, he's going to be somebody that completely, completely changes your fantasy season as he does for everyone. He's always one of the most commonly owned players on fantasy championships. So, I'm going to stop praising Kelsey. Let's get to Michael Hardman. He had just a 10% target share last year, and there's now a whole bunch of hype coming out of camp that this guy is he's going to be the number 2 wide receiver and he's gotten a lot better. I've never seen him put the route tree together, none of us have yet, and we don't really know how much to buy it, right? So, if you buy it, then he's obviously going to get more usage than a 10% target share. If you don't, Maybe you're just not touching him. If, if you don't, you shouldn't be touching him because his ADP is going to go up. And I'm going to put his target share 4% higher than last year. So I'm putting him at 14%. I'm kind of buying in to, you know, he's going to be the wide receiver too, but I can't buy in fully because if I completely believed all of the reports, his target share would be more at like 16 and a half for me. But I'm only keeping it at 14%. I'm tempering my expectations because why would it take this long for him to develop? You know, he's been in the league for three years now. And he was a high-drafted player. He's been in a great offense. And despite it being a great offense, they were never super deep at wide receiver. It was Tyreek Hill, and then Sam Watkins was always hurt. And that's pretty much it. So Mikel's always had his opportunities. He's had so much chances to gain experience and get better. Why would it take this long? And why would it happen just now all of a sudden? So that's kind of why I'm tempering my expectations. I'm not going to improve his efficiency. If he does really, truly become the number two, His efficiency is probably gonna get worse because he's gonna see harder coverage and he's gonna have a lot more on his plate, but he is worth a flyer. So let's talk about these projections. Patrick Mahomes, I have at 670 pass attempts, 442 completions, 5,395 yards. He's probably gonna be my leader in pass yardage. And 42 passing touchdowns. We already talked about his rushing. It was 350 yards for two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, I have him at 159 targets. Remember all this is over a 17 game season now. 159 targets, 102 receptions, 1,484 yards, 15 touchdowns, along with 20 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. So that's 16 touchdowns total for Tyreek. That's only one more than last year, I I believe. And yeah, he's a beast. I mean, he's basically getting that touchdown a game. Miko Hardman, 94 targets, 59 receptions, 833 yards and six touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, 162 targets, He should be the leader once again, 115 receptions, 1,439 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Like I said, Tyreek, Patrick, oh, I didn't say this about Patrick Mahomes, but Tyreek is my wide receiver one, Kelsey, obviously my tight end one, and Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback one. I was surprised. I didn't think he was going to hop Lamar, but he did, barely, very, very minimally. But he also has a better schedule than Lamar, so I have absolute confidence in taking Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson this year, but I do think both are going to be amazing. Travis Kelsey, like I said, he's my one, but he's six points more per game than Kyle Pitts. Now, I didn't do Darren Waller yet, and I'm probably going to do the Raiders next, so that's what you can look forward to as the next podcast, but because I want to figure out Waller, right? I want to see the gap between Kelsey and Waller, and I also want to see where I have uh, rugs and those receivers because it's kind of a a muddy situation there in Oakland, or whoops, Las Las Vegas. But anyways, Kelsey is probably going to be like, three and a half or four points more per game than Darren Waller and my next tight end after Waller is probably going to be Pitts because I already told you guys how I feel about Kittle so it'll be close I mean maybe Kittle will be higher than Pitts but it'll be close so you're looking at Kelsey as the tight end one averaging six points per game over the tight end three or four that's insane and that's that means it's going to be like more than 10 points per game over the wider tight ends like six seven right so just keep that in mind. He's an absolute beast. Miko Hardman, I have at 10.5 points per game. He's right under Rashad Bateman and Mike Williams. And Clyde Edwards Holera, I have at 15.3 points per game. For some reason, that's a sticky number because I had 15.3 or still have 15.3 points projected for Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. No, Akers is at 15.5. Uh Chris Carson, Miles Gaskin. All those guys somehow came out to 15.3. Super weird. Super super weird. But that actually makes it easy to put them all in the same tier and then you can structure them based off risk, potential, and schedule. And like I said, Clyde has a very good schedule. So he's in that cluster with the Dobbins and Akers type of guys. So thank you guys for tuning in. It was a super quick one, right? Because hey, the Chiefs, there's not too much to talk about. I think Clyde was probably probably the most uh debated person in terms of value. And then Travis Kelsey, we had a good discussion on him because You know, his value is always great for some reason. Like, people, I I, I think they get so enamored with late tight ends that they're like, ah, you know what? Like, last year, for example, and I I fell victim to this too. Now, it didn't stop me from taking those top tier tight ends, but when I missed out on them, I felt confident in taking someone like Tyler Higbee, right? In like round eight or round nine, wherever it was. So, every year, people are super confident in the late tight ends. There's always going to be one that comes out of the fray and becomes really good. But there's always like eight to 10 people that people have pegged as sleepers. So you got to keep that in mind. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good one. Peace.